Well, good morning, Soul City Church. How you doing this morning? Yes, you are ready for the fourth. It's good to see you. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City Church. And for those of you who are packed in here, those of you who are watching online right now or maybe listening to the podcast later, I'm so glad that you took time to uh, be intentional about your spiritual growth. And that's really what this whole month uh, is all about. We uh, have been working on this teaching series. I've been working on this teaching series for a while. I've been so excited because maybe you've heard me say over the last couple of years, if you've been around, that that's, this is what we're really trying to do. We're trying to take the spiritual things of God that are at times deep and vast and mysterious, but to make what can be made so as practical and applicable and approachable as possible. And so for the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at some big elements of faith and relationship with God and make them as practical as possible so that you can begin to live them out in your everyday ordinary life. Because if we're not doing that, what's the point of it all uh, anyway? And so I'm so excited to kick that off. Uh, before we get to the message, though, I want to let you know that we're going to do something we do here regularly. We're going to give you a chance to respond back to God's faithfulness and goodness uh, by saying thanks to him and giving back to him in just a moment. Now, we do this every week, uh, but the majority of our church actually gives online. A large majority of our church gives online. That's how Gene and I do it. A lot of folks in our church do it that way. But we still take this time every week as a reminder, a way of saying thanks to God. It's like a discipline uh, uh, with our resources. And last week we said, hey, we know that there's a lot of folks that want to do something about families that are being separated at our border. Very complex and complicated uh, and painful story to watch. And so we said, uh, we did our homework and found two great organizations that are on the ground working with refugee and immigrant individuals and families, have a great track record. And we said to you, look, these are folks that we really believe in and we gave you the opportunity to give on top of our regular giving. So this was on top of just our regular weekly giving. And last week you gave $7,605 to these organizations on top of everything else. And that actually is on top of the $10,000 that we set aside from our budget to invest in these organizations to extend the work that they're doing to bring healing and hope uh, and an end to this unnecessary separation. So thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for giving above and beyond. And we want to give you the chance to do that right now. Uh, three ways to give. I've already mentioned that we do that online. Uh, there's also text to give. This is crazy. You can actually text in right now. And if you feel prompted to give, you want to do that, you want to kind of jump in the game, awesome. You can do that by texting in the number that's on the screen right now. Or some of you like to kind of give the old school way. And uh, we've provided buckets for you to do that. We're going to pass those now. In fact, I'm going to ask our amazing volunteers to come forward now as we respond to God's goodness and faithfulness in our lives. So if you came ready to give, this is your chance to do so. If you're a guest here, feel no pressure or obligation. Let the bucket pass. Don't feel like you have to put anything in. The only thing we ask is that you don't take anything out. All right. So just let it, <laughs> let it pass. All right, so uh, I don't know, this last week I actually uh, was traveling this last weekend and I had a little time before one of my flights uh, to kill and so I was in the airport and I went into one of the bookstores that they have in the airport and just by show of hands, how many of you have ever bought anything more than $10 that cost more than $10 at the airport? Raise your hand. All right, you got ripped off. I just need to let you know that now the airport is the worst place to buy 
anything, right, other than water, some gum, and maybe InStyle magazine. There's nothing else you need to buy at the airport. But I went into the bookstore. I had some time to kill. And I noticed something that I've noticed before. But I was just so surprised, given what we're going to be talking about the next couple of weeks. I noticed the difference in size between the books in the religion section and the self-help section. Uh, the religion section was about a third of the size of the self-help help section. And I've seen this before in, in bookstores, and maybe you've seen this before as well. Uh, it's not a new phenomenon. In fact, uh, self-help and self-improvement, self-realization, self-discovery books are a booming industry. In fact, for the last two decades, it has grown. The self-help, self-realization industry has grown exponentially. In fact, in 2017, Americans spent over $10 billion dollars on books, apps, and diets to improve their life. Clearly, we are very interested in ourselves. We are willing to invest our resources in it. And this is not necessarily a bad thing. Knowing who you are is an incredibly uh, worthy endeavor. In fact, we believe that's a spiritual endeavor, to know who you are and specifically who God created you to be. But the question that rarely gets to be asked after all of our sort of self discovery and self-improvement is what I think is a critical and crucial question. And that question is this, what do you do with who you are? So the more and more you learn about who you are, your strengths, weaknesses, kind of preferences, you know, family of origin, all incredible and important things to do. But what do you do with who you are? Because get this, don't miss this, get this. Self-realization, as important as it is, self-realization is not transformation. It's not the same thing. It's what you do with what you know about yourself that really matters. Think of it this way. Uh, who here is allergic to gluten? Who has a gluten allergy? Go ahead and raise your hand. Okay, you, all right, just the two of us. All right, cool. <laughs> you, you, all right, good, good, good. All right, okay, so raise your hand if you have a nut allergy or some sort of, nope, don't, pretty healthy people. Okay, good. <laughs> Uh, raise your hand if you're allergic uh, to people asking you to raise their hand. Go ahead and raise your hand. All right. Clearly, everyone here suffers from that. All right. So let's go for the two of you who are allergic to gluten. Uh, let's do this. Let's say you go and you get a diagnosis. You find out that you are allergic to gluten. You say, thank you so much. This is really helpful. That explains this, that, and the other about my body. That explains why this happens every time I eat bread. You know, so I have, I'm allergic to gluten. Or in my case, I'm addicted to gluten. But whatever, you find out the diagnosis from your doctor. And you go, thanks so much. But I'm not going to change anything to my diet. I'm just going to keep on eating deep dish pizza. I'm going to keep on eating all the bread that I want. I'm going to keep on. Thanks so much for the information. That's really important for me to know about myself. But I'm not changing anything in what I do or what I eat. Now, that would not be very wise, would it? It's not very helpful to you, is it? It's because what you do with what you know about you is actually what matters. It's what you do with who you are that really, really matters. And that's why I want to explore for the next couple of moments a very spiritually practical passage that lives right at the intersection of who I am and what I do. And what you're going to find at the center of that is God. And what you'll find at the center of that is you, who he created you 
to be and what he created you to do. So grab a Bible, if you would, and turn to Romans chapter 12. If you brought a Bible with you, uh, we'll make sure our volunteers will mark you down for extra credit. If you have it on your phone, open that up right now. If not, there should be a Bible right under your seat. You want to grab one of these tan Bibles right under your seat, just so everyone can read along, read for yourself. Romans chapter 12, you can turn to page 920 in the Soul City Bible. Page 920 in the Soul City Bible. Grab a little pen. We're going to walk through an incredibly spiritually practical passage. Let me give you some context here. This is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the churches in Rome. Now, there were lots of churches in Rome, and lots of them were growing churches, much like this church. They were growing and growing. And as Paul noticed that this church was growing, it was in a major metropolitan city, just like Chicago, as these churches are growing, he began to see that people were sort of missing each other and getting disconnected from the heart of what the church is actually really meant to be in the world. And he draws our attention to what happens when everyday ordinary folks like you and me actually begin to do what God created us to do out of who God created us to be. Romans 12, verse 3, he starts by saying this, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, in other words, pay attention to this, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought or than you should, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment or with humility would be another way of saying that in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Now, very wordy sentence there. What is Paul saying? Well, basically what Paul is doing is he's biting Kendra Kamar thousands of years before and he's saying, sit down, be humble. Like that's, ba- you could sum up that verse right like that. Sit down, be humble. Don't think of yourselves more highly than you should. Don't get caught up and don't get lost in your title at work. Don't get lost in how many Instagram followers you have or how many people like the posts that you put up or what kind of car that you drive. Paul says that's not the point of any of this. We should all view ourselves and look at ourselves humbly, with humility, considering who we actually are in light of who God created us to be. And what we're going to see over the next couple of verses is what Paul is making here. He's starting out by making this point. And the point is this, that you actually are a part of what God is doing in the world. You're a very important part of what God is doing in the world. You're a very unique part of what God is doing in the world, but you are not the point of what God is doing in the world. You're a part, but you're not the point. And in this metaphor that we're about to see, The church, the body, the greater collective is the point. But you get to be a part of it. So think of yourselves rightly in light of that. And then he goes on to get, uh, he paints this really beautiful picture. I love this. He says this in verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members, or another word for that would be many parts, many parts, and these parts not all have the same function, obviously. Verse 5, he says, So in Christ, in relationship with Jesus... We, though we are many, though there are many, form one body. And each member, what's the word there? Each member, what's the word? Each member belongs. Now, that's a very interesting choice of words. It's not just that each member is adjacent to the other. Each member comes across the other. No, we actually, there is a special relationship that we have with each other. We belong to each other. Each member, each part of this body, this spiritual body, has a part to play and belongs to all of the other parts. In other words, what he is saying is that you are actually needed more than you know. And you need others more than you may realize. 
Each of us sort of belongs to each other. And when we do, there is a greater good that God does through each of us as a whole. Now he uses this metaphor. He talks about hands and feet and different body parts and all that kind of stuff. And I want everyone to hold up a hand right now and just go like this. Just kind of hold your hand up. That's pretty cool. It's pretty amazing. You can make it do that. That's awesome. Now, if by some freak accident, a pirate were to break in here and chop off your hand, we'd have a serious security problem. But if that were to, if you were to lose a hand, God forbid, I don't want that to happen. If you were to lose a hand, here's the deal. Your body would go on living. It would be in pain. It would not be the same but it would go on living. But can the hand go on living without the body? No, the hand would die. It's cut off from the body. Do you see? That's why we need each other. That's why we need to belong to the greater thing because on our own, we cannot do much. But together, we're unstoppable. Together, there is great good that we can do in the world on God's behalf. We need each other more than we even realize. I was reading an article not too long ago in Entrepreneur Magazine by a guy named Neil Patel, and he is a leader in what he calls the solopreneur movement. And the article was on the rise of the solopreneur. Anyone know what a solopreneur is? You can kind of break it down and figure it out. A solopreneur is like an entrepreneur, but they're someone who starts and runs their own business all by themselves. They do it all on their own. And I know there's a ton of folks in this church that are solo. And in this article, he's talking about all the advantages to being a solopreneur. Like you can work from home. You can work in your sweats. You can wear sweats all day, every day. If you want, you set your own hours. You can set your own agenda. You can choose what you want to do in the world and find a way to sort of make it work. And it's a fascinating, fascinating thing that honestly, really, there wasn't a lot of this until the last 15, 20 or so Years. That's why you've seen the rise in different types of careers like fitness coaches. We have several fitness coaches that are part of this church. A lot of them operate independently. They kind of run their own business. They're their marketing, they're their sales, they're all of it, right? Then there's folks like social media marketing strategists. And they may work for companies that they've never actually been to. They work from their house across country. We live in a beautiful world. It's why we have the rise of folks like um, lifestyle bloggers, whatever that is. I don't even know. But somehow they found a way to have other people pay for their travel. And I'm totally impressed, right? These are solopreneurs. And it's amazing. The same kind of risk and all that passion that an entrepreneur has, but they do it all on their own. Again, this just didn't simply exist as a career path 20 years ago. In fact, this may date me a little bit, but when I was in high school, we used to have a thing every year called career days. And they would have all kinds of different businesses and industries come and kind of present in our gymatorium to, you know, set up all of their booths. And leading up to career days, you would take a career aptitude test, which would tell you, you would go to a guidance counselor in your school and they would help you pick a career path. Solopreneur was not a career path. Lifestyle blogger was not on the list when I was coming up. I did, however, and I will never forget this. I, they did say that the top career for me to choose, I did the whole assessment thing and went and met with my guidance counselor. And do you, know you know what my number one top career path was in high school? Rancher. <laughs> Not kidding. Rancher. It thought, given my set of skills, that I would be great out on the range. And so <laughs> I have yet to pursue that, but I'm looking forward to retirement where I can be a rancher. So as, as awesome as solopreneuring is and is, as, as on the rise in our, you know, current cultural context right now, there is one thing that being a solopreneur often largely lacks. 
And that is a team. And that is a cause greater than yourself, a common cause greater than yourself. It lacks oftentimes, not always, but it lacks being an active part of a bigger thing. And that's what Paul is really getting at here in Romans 12. What he's saying is each of us has a part to play in the bigger thing, that you have a unique part to play in cooperation, in coordination with a bigger thing. Basically what he's saying here is that what biblical community is, is biblical community is when unique people live in unity with each other. When unique individuals, uniquely gifted, unique backgrounds, unique stories, unique passions, talents, callings, unique, every single one of you utterly unique. When all of these unique individuals live in unity, look out. That's unstoppable. In fact, I would ask you, where else is that happening in the world right now? where all kinds of different people with all kinds of different gifts gather together around a common cause greater than themselves and operate in unity. Paul is saying that is the heart of what biblical community looks like, and it's a part of what you were created for in this world. And so then he goes on and gets incredibly spiritually practical with how you do what you do with who you are. Verse 6, he says this, We have different gifts. There's the unique part. All of us have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Now, I want you to look at how incredibly specific and helpful his next steps are in these next few verses. If your gift is prophesying, then what's the next word? Then <coughs> prophesy. Thanks, Paul. That's really helpful. If you have the gift of prophecy, prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then what? If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. See, Paul's getting real specific and real helpful here. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. In other words, whatever your gift is, use it. Actually use it. Discover what it is, develop what it is, and deploy it. Use it as a part of the greater body. Bring your unique gifting, your unique passions, your unique story into unity with others as you play the part that God has actually created you to play. Whatever your gift may be, use it. Now, this is a spiritual concept called spiritual gifts. We've talked a lot about spiritual gifts at this church from the very first day we opened up doors. What spiritual gifts basically are is spiritual gifts is how you naturally do, they're how you naturally do or supernaturally do what you would naturally do. Let me say that again. Spiritual gifts are how you supernaturally do what you would naturally do. Does that make sense? Think about what you would naturally do, what you find yourself being drawn to. It may not have anything to do with your job, but you can't wait to get home to do whatever this is, or you love every opportunity you get to do this. Well, spiritual gifts are how you supernaturally do what you would already naturally do. It's not that complicated. So the question is, do you know what your spiritual gifts are? For anyone who's in a relationship with God, you have spiritual gifts. Do you know what they are? One of the best ways to begin to figure this out is to think about what I just talked about, the things that you would naturally do, the things that you love to do, the things that you're drawn to do, the things that when you have extra time, you cannot wait to do, the things that you do that no one tells you to do. Those passions, those giftings, those talents probably are in the realm of your spiritual gifts. Now, I didn't have this language growing up. I grew up in the church, but we didn't talk about this 
kind of stuff. It wasn't until my 20s that I really, for the first, my mid-20s, where I heard the first time someone talk about spiritual gifts. I didn't know what my spiritual gifts were, but the clues were written all throughout my life if I would have just paid attention. I've told you before that when I was in middle school, I kept falling asleep in church, and so my parents said, you can't sleep in church anymore, so I decided to stay awake. I would go help and teach the four- and five-year-old Sunday school class at my church, and that will keep you awake. And so I began teaching four- and five-year-olds when I was in middle school. And then when I was in high school, I told you this recently, that I was a student teacher. I taught theater at my high school as a student teacher. Then when I was in college, I actually got a job at a local middle school teaching theater at that middle school. And while I was teaching theater at that middle school and going to college, I was also the leader and teacher of the middle school ministry at my church. Anyone want to take a guess what one of my spiritual gifts might be? It's teaching. It was written all throughout my life. It's what I love to do. It's where I felt most alive. It's what I couldn't wait to do. I loved being able to take big things and break them down and, and make them as gettable as possible for others. That's my spiritual gift. It wasn't until I was at a church teaching to thousands of students and eventually adults that someone said, you know, I think you might have the spiritual gift of teaching. And I look back now and go, you think? Really? Because it's kind of, it was already there. It's what I was able to supernaturally do with what I would already naturally do, what I was already doing in my life. It's where I felt most connected to God. It's when I feel so connected to God is when I'm studying his word, when I'm teaching, when I'm thinking and praying about you. And I get to put all this stuff together, start with a blank page every week, and let the Holy Spirit move. I come alive. I feel so connected to God in the moment. Why is that, that I feel so alive and connected to God when I'm using my spiritual gifts? Well, simply put, because who you are meant to be and what you are meant to do both come from God. <laughs> They both come from the same place. Who you're meant to be and what you're meant to do both come from the same God, the God who made you, gave you spiritual gifts to be a blessing to him, to others, and actually to yourself. Now, Paul mentioned the list that we just walked through in Romans chapter 12. He also gives us a list in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You don't have to turn there right now. Those are two pretty exhaustive lists of spiritual gifts. And uh, I thought it'd be fun for us the next few moments to just kind of walk through these in broad categories. We're going to kind of look at each of the gifts, but put them into broad categories. And I want you to pay attention to which ones you go, oh, that feels like me. Oh, that feels like me. And maybe jot them down or write them down. And in a little bit, we're going to give you a very fun homework assignment that's going to help you dive in even deeper to this. But let me say a disclaimer before I walk through these spiritual gifts. First disclaimer is this. Uh, no one has none. I want to be really clear about that. Nobody has no gifts. And nobody has all of the gifts. Does that make sense? So if you're like, we walk through this list, no, you, you, you got to remember, Everyone has some spiritual gifts. You're like, I don't know. I don't see it. I don't know. God must have forgot about me. Okay, Eeyore, get back in the game. Let's dive a little deeper. My hunch is it's in there, right? It's in there, and God will lead you to it. Just keep pushing through. And if you're like, wow, I just keep checking all the boxes, I don't. If there was a Mensa for spiritual gifts, I guess I'd be in it. No, it's not how it works. Each of us have around two or three. One that sits at the top, two or three other spiritual gifts. All right? 
No one has none, right? Everyone has some. Last disclaimer that I want to walk through these gifts. In these two lists, in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, not once does Paul mention gender. And that's really important. As he's talking about these spiritual gifts, he does not say, well, these are for the men and these are for the women. Well, guys can do this and girls can do that. That's something we have culturally created. That's not actually how they're described in the Bible. Now, there are other passages where Paul speaks to specific churches where some things were kind of getting out of whack in that church, and so he gives correction to them. But in these lists, the only lists we have of spiritual gifts, there is no attention given to gender. There is equality in God's gifting. Does that make sense? So let's walk through these, and uh, we'll start with the first one. And we'll, we can call this group service, all right? So those with the kind of service gifts. And if service folks had a motto, it would be this, first in, last out. That's kind of how they see it. They love being behind the scenes. People with service gifts love being behind the scenes and making things happen for others without needing to get the attention. Some of these gifts include the gift of wisdom, that you just have an understanding about things. God has just given you a supernatural wisdom. Uh, for some of you, maybe it's the gift of administration. And if you know on our team, Chris Wheat, Chris has the gift of administration. He dreams in spreadsheets. He just kind of gets it. And maybe you do too. You understand how that works. You just know how to organize things really well. You might have the gift of administration. Uh, another uh, gift, and this would be what we'd call a builder, or in some translations it's called the craftsmanship gift. This would be folks who love to work with their hands, and you just thought that was a hobby. No, it's actually a spiritual gift. You love building and creating things with your hands. If you know Laz, who's on our team, he loves using his hands to create and build and create experiences for you through technology, through building, creating all kinds of different stuff. So there's also the gift of discernment. That's another gift that Jeannie has on our team. And she has a strong gift of discernment. And those of you with the gift of discernment can kind of see into and see through what's really going on. You have a supernatural spiritual sense about things. And you can kind of just see what's really going on. That's a gift of discernment. These are all gifts of service. They are meant to sort of be behind the scenes, helping everything work together more smoothly. Then there's the gifts of faith. And if the folks in the gift of faith had a motto, it would be seeing the unseen. Folks with the gift of faith can see the unseen. Uh, a big gift in this camp is the gift of prayer. Now, God invites every single one of us who's in a relationship with him to pray and to engage with God that way. But some of us have a spiritual gift of prayer. You have just been gifted by God to pray. I think of Lizzie on our staff who's been gifted by God. Since she was a young girl, gifted by God with the gift of prayer. And maybe that's your spiritual gift. Or if you've ever been to our prayer hall before, you've met folks who have the spiritual gift of prayer. The gift of faith, that is believing, hoping, believing, seeing and knowing that God is going to come through when others cannot see it. The gift of giving is actually one of these faith gifts. Now again, God invites everyone who's in a relationship with him to trust him with their resources. But some of you have a spiritual gift of giving. You love to give. And let me give a little disclaimer on this gift. The gift of giving is not dependent on the amount of resources you have. I think lots of times there's an assumption that only people with lots of money have the gift of giving, or they better have the gift of giving, according to some pastors. Not so. Lots of different ways that people give. They give of their resources. They also give of their time, their energy, their presence. Maybe you have the gift. You love generosity 
flows through you. You love giving to others. Uh, another, uh, uh, did I jump ahead? No, healing. Yeah, there it is. Healing is another one. And again, a lot of folks in our prayer hall have the gift of healing. And they are gifted by God to bring about emotional and spiritual and physical healing. God has just gifted them in a special way to bring that about. That's the part they get to play in the greater thing. That's the gift of faith, seeing the unseen. Then there's the gifts within kind of the care category. And if they had a motto, it would be this. Everyone deserves someone. And if you kind of nodded your head like, yeah, amen, you might have one of these gifts. Because that's just your fundamental lens through which you see the world. Everyone deserves someone. Everyone needs to be cared for. And within this, you'll see the gifts of shepherding. And I think of Sean on our team, who has the gift of shepherding, but even more so, enables people with the gift of shepherding. All the small group leaders that lead throughout our church, so many of them have been given the gift of shepherding, caring for. Shepherding is not like a thing we think of. It's more like a ranching term. It's more like a ranching term. Uh-huh. See how it all comes together. But you know that metaphor of a shepherd that kind of cares for and guides a flock to where God's leading them. All right, so there's a the gift of shepherding. There's a the gift of mercy. I think of Kat on our staff who has a gift of mercy. She just loves coming alongside people who are hurting, who need help. And maybe that's, you love that call. Some people get freaked out when someone is in pain or their world's falling apart. Not you. You come alive when you get that call. Maybe you have the gift of mercy. Or maybe you have the gift of encouragement. I think of Lauren, who's on our staff, has the gift of encouragement. She's over in Soul City Kids right now, but she is such an encouraging person always encouraging her leaders, always encouraging our team. You just love helping people see themselves in ways that they can't. You love encouraging them. Uh, then there's a the gift of hospitality. I think of Amanda on our staff. All of you right now in this moment are experiencing Amanda's gift of hospitality. Now, hospitality, you may think, oh, what does that mean? Like just inviting people over to your house, keeping a clean house? No, that's, I mean, yes, but not just that. This whole experience from when you drove up or walked up to when you were guided to a seat to all that's about to happen, all that's happened that you aren't even seeing in and around this room, that's Amanda using her gift of hospitality, making sure that there's space for you to experience God. And maybe you have the gift of hospitality. So those are the care gifts. Everyone deserves someone. And then the last one we're going to walk through, and then I want to give you a fun little homework assignment to get through this, uh, is the gifts of leadership. And these folks are kind of people who take point to point others to God. They're willing to take point to point others to God. And within this gift of leadership is the gift of, spiritual gift of leadership. I think of Kelly on our team. And I think of how she uses her gifts of leadership to move this whole church forward as God is leading. And if you were the person, maybe as a kid, People told you lots of times, you're not the boss of me. You may have the gift of leadership. That may be a way for you to discover that. Uh, then there's a the gift of teaching. And I think of several folks on our team. Abella has this gift. Connor has this gift. They love communicating God's word. They love teaching God's word. I already talked to you about my discovery. This is one of my spiritual gifts. And maybe that's you. Or maybe it's the gift of creative communication. And this is using all of the arts and all kinds of... Um, 
unconventional ways to help people encounter God. And I think of our entire creative staff. I think of uh, Sarah as she leads Patrick and Fabi and Jeremy and all of our folks who do all sorts of stuff to help you experience God in fresh ways. Maybe you have the gift of creative communication using music or poetry or painting or dance to help others experience God. That's actually a spiritual gift. And then lastly, the gift of evangelism. And this is the gift of helping others know God, come to know God. Now again, God invites all of us to share our faith with anyone and everyone, that there's no one to, that we are to withhold God's love from. But some people are uniquely gifted with the gift of evangelism. They love talking to people who are seemingly far from God. And you can usually spot the folks with the gift of evangelism because they're not weird about it. You know what I mean? Some people get real weird about talking about God and real awkward. Get folks with the gift of evangelism know how to kind of get past that. That's maybe if you kind of feel real awkward and clumsy about talking about God, you might not have the gift of evangelism and that's okay. So those are the spiritual gifts that kind of put down into broad categories. I'll put them all up on the screen if you want to jot some of those down or take a little screenshot of those, but we're going to give you a homework assignment in a second to help you through that. Spiritual gifts in the categories of helps or service and faith and care and leadership. Again, lots of different ways. The point here is each of us are uniquely made to work in unity with each other. That we get to be a part of the bigger body, which is the point of this metaphor. That you are not the point, I am not the point, but each of us has an important part to play. I think discovering and using your spiritual gifts is one of the greatest tools for transformation in your life. And I don't know why, going back to the metaphor of finding out a diagnosis and doing nothing about it, I don't know why, if you were to discover that you have a spiritual gift, why you would sit on that gift. We need you to use it. You need you to use it. We are better when you do you, when you use your gift. We're better when you do that. And so why wouldn't you use that? Now, we have taught and believed in spiritual gifts since the day we opened doors to this church. We've been teaching it for seven, almost eight years now. But I'm going to be really honest. At the beginning of this church, while we taught it and believed it, it was all hands on deck. It was basically, can anybody do anything at that point? And we, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not joking. It's like we would have to ask people like, you know, are you socially awkward? And if they answered no, we'd say, awesome, you're a small group leader. Uh, this is... <laughs> We believe this is God's will for your life. We think you're going to do great at it. Can you, can you pass a criminal background check? Yes. Awesome. Soul City Kids is the place for you. I don't care if you like kids or not. We just need you over there because everyone needs to do something around here. And those are really fun days. And many of you survived those days and are still here and actually love God even more because of those days. But it is so fun for Jeannie and I now and for our staff now as we walk around this church and see folks discovering and activating their spiritual gifts, it's what makes this church irresistible. It's what makes this church better as everyday ordinary folks using their spiritual gifts. When I walk around, I see folks behind the scenes using their gifts of service in all kinds of different ways. I just go, thank you, God, for the gifts of service. These folks who never want any attention brought to themselves are faithfully moving your church forward. When I think of all the small group leaders throughout our church, all the folks over in Soul City Kids right now caring for your kids, using their gifts of care. 
loving, seeing, being with. Thank you, God, for the spiritual gifts of care. When I see folks in our prayer hall, week after week, people pouring into that prayer hall to have an experience with God, people using their gifts of faith. Thank you, God, for the gifts of faith and how, God, they help us believe that you are good and you will move. When I think of all of our amazing worship leaders, all the volunteers here, all the folks in the back, everyone who uses their gifts of leadership, whether it's creative communication or teaching or leadership, all the different ways they help kind of take point so that all of us can experience and encounter God. Thank you, God, for the gifts of leadership. Thank you, God, for ordinary, everyday folks discovering who they are created to be and then beginning to do what they were created to do. Don't you want to be a part of something like that in your life? To play a part, to be a part of something like that in your life. I do. I love it. I love what God does when we say yes to using the gifts that he gave us. And so here's what we want to do. We want to help you do just that. We're going to give you a little homework assignment to help you discover your spiritual gifts. We want to get incredibly spiritually practical with it. And this is what I love. Our creative team use their creative communication gifts in a very fun and funny uh, way to help you discover that. Uh, Just by show of hands, has anyone here ever come across or taken one of those BuzzFeed quizzes? Probably you did it at work. My hunch is you did not do it. anywhere else other than work. That's the only place to take a BuzzFeed quiz. All right, so most of us have come across, and you know the classic, like, you know, which friend's character are you, right? Somehow I'm Gunther. I don't know exactly how that. (laughs) Which Ryan Gosling character is your soulmate? Duh, Noah from The Notebook. Come on, help me out. I saw one. This is an actual actual, uh, quiz. Build a Subway sandwich, and we'll guess your exact age and height. That's awesome and gross at the same uh, time. So, uh, you know, those are all kind of fun and fun little ways to distract yourself. We actually want to use those in a more intentional way. And so our team has created a BuzzFeed-style quiz to help you discover your spiritual gifts and to begin to actually use them, to learn more about them, to begin to use them. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to put a number up on the screen, and I want you to text the word QUIZ to 31996, and you'll be sent the link to it. Now, don't click the link just yet because we still have a little bit to do here and I don't want you to be too distracted. But text in quiz to 31996. This is your homework. When the service is over today or at some point before your head hits the pillow today, take the quiz. It's going to take you like two minutes and it's hilarious. I've taken it multiple times. It comes out the same each time, which is encouraging to me. Take the quiz today. All right, so text the word quiz to 31996 and you will be sent a fun little way for you to grow in your spiritual gifts, to begin to actually start Uh, using them. And we'll have stations all throughout the lobby if you want to do it here before you go. But we believe that's one of the best steps you can take to getting more spiritually practical in your life. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to pray and close out our time in worship together, singing about this overwhelming, unending, reckless love of God that he would make a way for us to be a part of what he's doing in this world. So will you join me with open hands and open hearts? as we pray together. Jesus, thank you for the fact that you ultimately are the point. And then you gave us your church and you said that we get to be a part of a greater thing. You gave us spiritual gifts. You poured out your Holy Spirit and you take all the things that we would naturally do and you make them supernatural. You make them exponentially greater than we could ever accomplish on our own. And then you gave us each other and you told us how much we need each other 
how much we need you. And so we pray that we would be the kind of church that would not sit on our hands, but that we would discover and develop and deploy the spiritual gifts that you've given us. And thank you for the uniqueness of all of our gifting, God, of the uniqueness of all of our backgrounds. And God, I pray that it would be true of this church that we would work together in unity, that we would not do any solo endeavors, but that we would commit ourselves to each other and ultimately to you. And that, God, you would do a great work in and through us, we pray in your name because of your amazing love. Amen.